We are going to continue in the book of Colossians. And if you remember from the weeks past, I love the way that Paul is writing this letter because he starts out with big picture. He starts out with supremacy of Jesus Christ, and then he starts correcting some philosophy that had creeped into the church. And then we find ourselves a little bit more narrow in chapter 3. As Pastor Mike uh, taught last week, he starts to get a little more practical. He starts talking about how we should live as children of God, right? And how that should look among each other. Children of God, as, as believers in Christ and raised from the dead with Jesus, how do we live and how do we look and how do we act? And then at the end of chapter 3 is right, the chunk of scripture that I've been giving this morning is it's actually a really small chunk of scripture here at the end of chapter 3. And it gets really specific. So we went from big picture to body of Christ. And now we get really directive. And it is about wives, husbands, children. And that is the part of the scripture we are going to focus on today. So let's just jump in. We are in Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 18. It says, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands. (laughs) Oh, you just wait, Mr. Bob. Uh, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh to them, Pastor Bob. <laughs> Children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. I'm going to read the next chunk of scripture just to finish the chapter, but we're not going to focus on the slave aspect today. We're actually just It's just too much, and it doesn't really relate to us culturally as much, so I'm going to read it. But it says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you and to curry their favor, but with sincerity in heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord... Christ, you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Okay, so that was eight verses, and now I get to narrow it down to four. We're literally going to spend all of today talking about the first four verses of this chunk. Wives, husbands, and children. So that is where we're focusing our attention today. And I want to read this chunk from the message version as well. Now, I'll be frank, I don't use the message a lot. I don't personally even consider it a translation of the Bible. I like to use it as more of a commentary and more of something to add to the starting point, which is usually in more of an NIV or a King James, in my opinion. But the message gives us some language that sometimes is helpful to understanding the text. So I want to read it from the message version. It says this, Wives. Understand and support your husband by submitting to them in ways that honor the Lord. Husbands, go all out in love for your wives. Don't take advantage of them. I love the wording there. 
Children, do what your parents tell you. This delights the master. And parents, don't come down too hard on your children or you'll crush their spirits. I love the language there. And I don't believe the message added anything that was not biblical from the original. So looking at the two texts, looking at the NIV and the message, we see a very clear message here. Submitting, loving, honoring are actually very contrary to our flesh. It's just genius to me, almost like the Holy Spirit was actually inspiring Paul to write this letter, (laughs) that he started with who we were in Christ and the deity of Christ before he got to this place. Because it really is only through living out and being submitted to Christ that we're able to walk this out. If we try to do this in our flesh, we will always fail. Because submission is actually very counter-cultural. You know, submission is actually very different than the gospel. It, well, no, it's the same as the gospel, but it's not what we see in our culture, right? Submission. And so that is not something we can do in our flesh. And so it's really great that Paul went big picture first and then came to this point because Christ is how we do this. So the first four uh, verses here about wives, husbands, and children and how we should love and respect each other. I just really like the picture of Jesus sitting at our dinner table. I really like that picture because it puts everything in perspective. How should we treat each other? Well, treat each other like Jesus was sitting at your dinner table. How would you speak to your wives and your husbands and your children if Jesus was sitting and reclining at your dinner table? I love that imagery. And the fact is, if we are believers in Jesus Christ and we have the indwelling Holy Spirit, in a sense, he is. Not in bodily form, of course, but because the Trinity is in us. He is at our dinner tables. So um, this gives me a little perspective as we read the scripture. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Go all out in love for your wives. Wives, understand and support your husbands. Submit to them. Paul is speaking to the family unit here. This is not a scripture about women in the workforce. This is, not a, this is not a chunk of scripture even about women in ministry. Paul is specifically speaking to women and men and children in the family unit here. And we see these roles, and they are very different. There are very different roles in the house between a man and a woman and children. And... I like that Paul also wrote to the believers in Ephesus the same message. And so he's reading to the believers in Colossae and saying the same thing that he also tells the believers in Ephesus and Ephesians. And so we're going to go to Ephesians simply because it says the same thing only in more words and gives us a better picture. So let's turn to Ephesians for a little bit here. And we're going to go to Ephesians 5, 21 through 23. 
And then I'm going to keep reading, actually, 25 through 33. But we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 21. And again, this is the same message that we see in Colossians. It just has more detail and gives us a little more picture of how to do this. So it says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husband as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with the water through the word, and to present her to herself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed it and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is that profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you are also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So it's a little bit more wordy way of saying exactly what was reiterated in Colossians, right? But I love, I'm going to focus a lot on the Ephesians text this morning to give us a better understanding of this message. And so in this passage, there is kind of an argument that that this passion this passage in Ephesians is talking about mutual submission. And I agree with that, sort of, up until the point that it gets very specific to wives and husbands. Uh, yes, Paul is talking about submitting to one another and brotherly love, submitting to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, right? Living in a way that honors each other. Yes, 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 I agree with that. But then he gets really specific and he, he clearly says, wives, submit yourself to your husband. And he clearly says that husbands are the head of the wife. And as much as we try to like, yeah, but was he really saying that? You know, he's probably more talking about mutual submission. If you really love your wife, you will submit to her. And all that's probably somewhat true. But the text says what it says. I always say, let scripture interpret scripture. And here, wives and husbands have a different role. Um, and that is important to, to really clarify. Because in our culture, we would like to say that they are absolutely the same. And I would agree, they're absolutely the same in their value, in their callings, in the way that the Lord esteems them, that, but they're very different in the role that, that God is laying out here. These scriptures have been abused, I'll just be frank, by both parties. Men and women abuse them. Uh, men, oftentimes, if they are insecure, will, will take this scripture and be like, submit to me, therefore, because it says in the scripture. And they can dictate and be very domineering in their homes, right? 
And then wives can abuse these scriptures as well. And they can be sort of really what I would describe as super feministic, right? And, and try to twist these scriptures to say something it does not say. And so this is sort of a hard chunk of scripture sometimes to understand because of the way that we're reading it in our culture today. But in the time of the culture that this was written, did you notice in Ephesians that he actually spent way more time talking about the man's role than the woman's? In the culture, it was sort of a given that women submitted to their husbands. Like in that time, a woman was under the care of her father, and then she was given away to a husband, and then under his covering, or the oldest son would resume that responsibility in the home and take care of his sister if the father had died. It was very much in the culture that women were under the covering of men that was understood, okay? And so actually the bigger chunk of Ephesians here is specific to men and how men should love their wives as Christ loves the church. And that, at that time, would have been way more countercultural than him telling women to submit. Because women been like, oh yeah, I do that. This is what we do. Right? Um, but men to be, to be told, you're going to sacrificially love this woman would have been like, whoa. <laughs> so the men would have been more offended, I think, in my opinion, at this scripture chunk in Ephesians at that time than the women. However, today, today I think women are more offended at this scripture than men are. Would you agree? So it's funny how we've sort of flipped the way in which we read the scripture. But I will be very honest. I did not understand this for a long time. And if I'm being really frank, it sort of also bugged me a little bit. (laughs) Because, I mean, I think the Lord made me just a little bit more boisterous and a little more... I don't know. I guess my primary gifts are not mercy and like hospitality. I, you know what I mean? Like I just wasn't a great, like, oh yes, one kind of woman. Um, so I, you know, when I would read this, I would be like, hmm, huh. Like I believed it because it's the word and it doesn't matter how I feel about it. It is the word, right? Right? I mean, I knew in my head that it was the word of God, and because it is our authority, I will submit to it. But I didn't always like it. (laughs) Does that make sense? Um, But God, and I could not give this message. I honestly could have not have given this message 12 years ago. Um, I just didn't understand it in the way that I do right now. And what it came down to, my aha moment in this all, is when I studied how much Jesus Christ loves his church. That is what will change your heart and your mind on this scripture. How much Jesus loves, sacrifices, and elevates his church. When you understand Jesus' love for us, suddenly the framework in which you read this changes and it shifts. What does Jesus, what does Jesus think of his church? Is he 
a master and we're a slave? No. Is he proud and boastful and just like, I want all the glory and honor? Bow to me, church. No. We actually see a very different picture in Scripture of what he thinks of his church. Uh, I'm just going to, I don't have these ones up there, but just I went in a long, hard dive in Scripture this week on what Jesus thinks of his bride. And here's a few things, a few little nuggets. One, it says in Galatians 4, 7, it says, You are God's child. Since you are his child, God has made you an heir. And we know that, we hear that, but I don't think we always understand. Like, we're an heir? Like, a, a joint heir with Christ? Male and female. Joint heirs with Jesus Christ. What does an heir really mean? We don't use that word anymore. Um, it's your, you get the inheritance. You know, as an heir of Mike Nelson, his kids get his inheritance, right? You get the inheritance. Isn't that wild to think about? As a son and daughter. And then earlier in Colossians in chapter 3, just right at the beginning of the chapter, and Mike, Mike touched on this, but in chapter 3 of Colossians verse 4, it says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Think about that for a second. That moment when Jesus Christ comes back in the second coming, that could be all about him. Do you agree? Like he deserves all the glory there. But he loves us so, so much that he wants to share it with us. Isn't that so cool to think about? And then even in 2 Timothy 2.12, it says, if we endure, we will also reign with him. So what does that mean? It sounds like we're going to also, when we someday are in his glory, are going to be given the chance to also reign. Wow. That's amazing to me. When you dwell on what it says and how much he loves his church, it blows your mind. And then even, you know, like I went a long, hard dive on this topic, but in, even in Revelation, you know, when he comes back again and we see this, what we call the millennial reign, it also says in there the martyrs that didn't take the mark, they also get to reign with him. And he, he wouldn't have to do that. Does everyone agree? Like, that, that's like extra, right? <laughs> he wouldn't have to do that. He could totally be all about him, right? He deserves it to be all about him, but he doesn't because that's just how much he loves us. He loves to elevate and glorify his church, his bride, like a groom waits for his bride, right? And let's be honest, some of us were at a wedding and usually the wedding is a lot about the bride, right? The white, and it's so cool to see the imagery of the bride and the groom and then even thinking of Christ and his church as the bride. Why well, do all of that, all of that, so you can see in Ephesians, when, when Jesus says that a man, a husband, should love his wife like Christ loves the church, 
That is huge. And I don't really mean to put a ton of pressure on men today, but before this scripture, I would read this and I would think that the women got the shorthand of the stick. Does that make sense? Yeah. But it's actually sort of kind of the opposite. God is giving the man such a responsibility here to love his wife and lay down his life for her. And you can only understand that if you understand the love of Jesus for his church. It's the only way you can properly interpret this scripture. This type of love is sacrificial. It is the agape love. We know we've heard that from you know, Pastor Mike, and Pastor Bob, the different types of love in the scripture, the agape love is what is used here. That, that the husband should agape love his wife in the same way Christ agape loved his church. And when that happens, it's a beautiful picture because that is definitely easy to submit to. Amen. When you are being loved and esteemed and valued and elevated like Jesus elevates the church, I have no problem submitting to that. Anyone else? (laughs) That is a good kind of submission. And what does it really even mean to submit? Again, I think we don't like that term just because it's been abused and misused. But really, here in the text, submission means to come under. It simply means to come under. So they would even use this word to, like, think of really uh, practical. Like, you get under a cover at night, you know, your covers. It really just means to come under. Okay? That's what this word means. To submit means to come under. And it really is a beautiful thing that the Lord made for a husband and wife. Does anyone know that co-leading anything does not work? Has anyone tried to co-lead anything? I have tried to co-lead something. In college ministry, uh, there was a group I was really heavily involved in, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. It was the campus ministry at uh, DSU at the time. And my junior year, there was they voted for their officers, you know. So they voted to have me and another guy co-lead as presidents. Now, someone did not tell InterVarsity Christian Fellowship that this is not how the business world works, <laughs> okay? Like, we've all figured out by now that everything runs better when you have a president and a vice president. Someone needed to tell him that. They were just trying to be nice, I think, to me because, like, he was a senior of me. He was a senior, and he should have been the president, but they recognized my gifts, so they wanted me to be the president, too. So they put us in coal leadership. Well, at the end of the day, that sounds all fine and dandy, but there's two people with two different personalities, with two different ways of interpreting things, and at the end of the day, you need someone to make the call. You just need someone that is going to resume the responsibility of either, one, taking the success of the business, or two, going down with the ship, right? Like when things go bad. You need someone to be the head. And the business world has figured this out. And it's actually a biblical model. God is a God of order. He's a God of headship. And there's always a way of order in which protects us from the way we do government to the way we do business. It's all based back here from the word of God. And at the end of the day, when I read this scripture, 
When I read this scripture, I see that God is doing this to protect the home, to protect the household. And it is not in any way something that diminishes or speaks down to the woman in any way. And in fact, you know, we talked about John and Nieder earlier today. And, you know, if you're around John and Nieder ever, you know, he loved to give Nieder just a bad time, right? And he would say things like, happy wife, happy life. Or he would, he would say, well, I don't know, ask the boss, you know, referring to Nieder, right? And, um, <laughs> and it was funny and, we all knew he was joking, but I think John and Nieder displayed something really special. And what that means, what I mean by that is, though he joked around about Nieder being the boss, we all know that is not true. We know that John was a secure man of God, confident in who he was in Christ. And he had no problem giving Nieder authority, giving her praise, and elevating her to a position to make positions when she need, or decisions when she needed to make decisions, right? Like he was so secure that he elevated Nieder to a place of confidence that she had. And I know that sometimes in our homes, as men and women, our children can look at our households and sometimes think the women are in charge. Just because we are doing the daily tasks. Does that make sense? We are usually, not always, I understand this can be flipped, but usually the woman is just like making sure the planners are assigned and putting up the schedule and getting them to bed and doing all the things, right? And kind of running sort of the schedule in the ship in the house, if that makes sense. And I know that Nieder did that a lot in their household with John being gone. But the difference is, The difference is, at the end of the day, she was covered by John. She was given authority to uh, walk that out in their day-to-day lives, in their weeks, right? And that, if you will, John was the president and she was the vice president. When you step back and look at this in a business, it sometimes appears that the assistant, the associate, the assistant principal, sometimes they are doing more day-to-day tasks and actually leading with authority in a way that looks like they're the boss. But what they don't see is in the board meeting, in, in the, in the uh, decision-making before bed that you and your husband have, is that at the end of the day, the man needs to make the call. He needs to cover his family. He needs to lead in a way that is honoring to God and honoring to his wife. Someone has to be in charge. It just doesn't work to co-lead anything. (laughs) And I know this. So, this is nice, right? You think, oh wow, like a husband is He's just so gracious and loving, just like Jesus Christ. And, and then the wife is just submitting because she just loves him so much, and she's just honoring him. And in response to his love, she is submitting to his leading. And this is exactly what the Scripture is saying is going to happen. But then they have children. 
(laughs) Then the man and woman have children. And is there anything more humbling than having children for those of you that have had children? Um, You know, you set out and you think when you're growing up, my kids are never, (laughs) and fill in the blank. And then they never, like you never thought they would, right? (laughs) And then the love and submission relationship between the man and the woman can be tested because they had children. And what are their children's roles in the house? Again, God gives us a perfect picture of what this would look like for a harmonious, a happy life for the family of of children submitting to their parents. It says, and I'm going to read in Ephesians again. We're staying in Ephesians, and we'll jump back to Colossians. It says the same thing. Um, Children, chapter 6, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. And that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. What are the role of the children in the home? It's to obey and honor their parents, even when they really don't want to. And do you know that that still continues as you get older? We are supposed to continue to obey and honor our parents for our entire life. And too often in society today, the children are elevated to a place they shouldn't be in the home. And it, it gets flipped around, and actually the parents are submitting to the children. And God knows that anything out of order in his divine creation is going to breed what? Chaos. Uh, it's going to breed um, anger and strife and all these things. So out of his great love for us, he set this up again. Children, obey your parents. He knows this is going to bring joy. Children really do crave. They crave discipline. And I know they don't realize that, but they crave expectations and discipline and nurture and love as well but they have to know that they are not the authority in the home and the role of parents the role of parents is also articulated here it says fathers do not exasperate your children instead bring them up in the training and instruction of the lord okay that's ephesians 6 4 In Colossians 3.21, it says, Parents, don't come down too hard on your children or you will crush their spirits. That was the message version. I like that again. Parents, don't come down too hard on your children or you will crush their spirits. In Colossians 3.21 in the NIV, it says, Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Different ways of saying the same thing. Different ways of saying the same thing. How do we do this? Like, how do we crush their spirits, embitter them? Um, What are ways that we see we do this? There's a few ways that, that I can really see. One, being critical, being overly critical, 
always pointing out the ways the child does not meet your expectations. And this can be a sneaky one. But when you, it just it can be a sneaky one. And if you're a high achiever yourself, you have to look at yourself when you're doing this uh, because it can come across as critical. When the child plays a game in sports or a child brings home a report card, what do you praise? Think about those things. What are you communicating to your children and what you praise them for? Are you pointing out the one shot they missed, the one layup they missed in a game where they had five other shots? You know, that's just an example. Uh, neglect, neglectful. This is a way that can actually really cause harm to a child is simply ignoring them, neglecting them, making them feel like they are not valued at all in your home. Demeaning is the next one I came up with, is speaking harsh and belittling words. You know, when people have tempers, right? We have tempers. And, um, you know, some people just go to zero to 60 in a real quick minute, right? And um, and got to watch that because what you say matters as parents. We cannot call our children names. We cannot belittle them. That will crush their spirits. The fourth one I came up with was rigid religious rules. We've all heard this, that rules without relationship breeds what? Rebellion. Now, this is the home where it's all about towing the Christian line. We're up and we do devotions and then you're going to clear the table and then you're going to do this and this and this and this. And if you do all those good things, boy, do we love you. Ugh, that breeds rebellion because at some point the kid's going to go, no, thank you. (laughs) And um, also something just to be really careful of. So these are ways that we as parents can crush our children's spirits. And I know that we sort of have tendencies, right? And we all kind of have a way that we could maybe see a little bit more of this or that in ourselves. And these are things that God did not ordain. You know, it's not the way he intended a family to treat each other. And I like to go back again to that picture of of Jesus sitting at the dinner table. Jesus sitting at the dinner table with us really gives us a picture of how we should speak, the tones we should use, how we should communicate with our wives, with our husbands, with our children. Do we do this perfectly? No. (laughs) We don't do this perfectly. Why don't we do this perfectly? Because that struggle of our flesh, right? Our flesh will always screw it up. And that's why... In Colossians, Paul started with who we are in Christ. Because when we're walking in the Spirit, we can love, we can submit, we can honor, we can respect. When we're walking in the Spirit, we won't belittle our kids or be hypocritical with them. When we're walking in the Spirit, we can produce the agape love because of the Holy Spirit in us. Right? And so this really is an act of submitting to Christ first. It's an act of submitting to him 
so that I can submit to my husband, so my husband can love me in a way that elevates me and honors me. And, you know, it's something that I didn't understand when I was reading, like I said before, until you study what Jesus thinks of his bride. It's really, really humbling to read what Jesus thinks of his bride. And from a woman's perspective, what more could I want from my heavenly father? What more could I want from my heavenly father than Jesus who loves me that much and then Jesus who gives me a man to love me and cover me like that? Now that is a beautiful thing, not one to fight, but one to fully submit to because of Christ and what he thinks of me as his daughter, that he would love me so much to set up a husband in the home as someone that I can be covered by. That is a gift from God, one in which now I delight Let's close in prayer. Father, I just thank you so much for the way that you have set up Scripture, Lord, the way that you ordained us all to work. You know us, Father, and you know where we fall short. We, you know, God, that if we tried to do this in and of ourselves, we would fail. But, God, you gave us a way. You gave us the out. It's the Holy Spirit in us. It's the trump card. Lord, I pray that we would use the Holy Spirit in us to fully understand your love for us as a church, your love for us as a husband, as a wife, as a child. God, I pray that we would just really, really picture you sitting and dining with us this week at our table. Because our mouths and our actions would fall in submission to who you are. So I pray that that would be a picture in our mind as we try to walk out this life in the spirit in our homes, Lord. God, again, I just lift up all the needs in our congregation. Lord, I thank you for the beautiful picture we have of couples that have walked this out before us, like John and Nieder and their family, Lord. And God, I thank you that that is a model in which people like myself, Lord, can look to and how to walk this out in a biblical way. So, Lord, I just praise you for today, and I praise you for your word. We give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.